Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to another week. This is the Lift Life Aggressively Show, and this is Sincere Hogan. My partner on the other side over there, Mike Mahler. What's going on, brother? Oh, I'm amped up about today's show, man. We have a yeah. badass guest, literally, on yeah. the show. And before we get to him, I just want to say we have some badass listeners as well that have been using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off some great nutrition supplements at my website. Yep. So just a quick, real quick shout-out. We have Maria Peden, who also gave us a oh, nice yeah. review on iTunes. She's out in Houston, yeah, right? She's you know out in Houston. Actually, yeah. I just trained her husband this past uh, about a month ago, man, at the kettlebell certification. So, oh, cool, Patrick. And they're also contributors on Patreon as well, both of them. Oh, fantastic! Yep. And then Phil Dunlap. Let's see, Adam yep. Blake, Ryan Lucero, Nelson Blanco, N.R. Leon, Gage Permar, Ravi Singh, Paul oh. Landini, and even a guy from Mongolia, a listener in Mongolia, Itjel <laughs> Munkbatar. Yeah, good luck. I'm with sorry, that. man. I'm sorry. I know I just butchered your name, so just. <laughs> Just shoot me, shoot me an email on how to pronounce your name, but I'll get it right next time. Yeah, man. And, uh, and Phil, Phil actually attended. Um, Phil attended the workshop you and I did together the first time in 2010. Um, oh. He's out of Louisiana, so he attended oh, the, yeah, the first right. workshop we did together. So, no, it's great. I mean, it's 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 people like this that are financially supporting the show that allow our thousands of listeners who've never spent a dime on the show to listen to great episodes, and and you're gonna. If you don't go support us on Patreon and support our respective businesses after hearing today's guest, then you really shouldn't be listening to the show. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's time, time to get a second job. You know? <laughs> time to take, take advantage of your time. Exactly, man. So remember, use that coupon code LLA. Go to MikeMahler.com. You get 10% off everything you see. And how about with your website, man? Same thing, man. Um, also, I want to give a big shout out to Fred Hartman, who just also used that same coupon code, and Ann Madsen. You know, also listeners of the show contributing to that. They went over to NewWarriorTraining.com, used the same coupon code LLA, got 10% off of the products they purchased, and you can do the same thing, man. So step it up. Other than that, yep. head over to Patreon.com slash LLA Podcast, become a monthly supporter of the show as well. And that list is growing and growing and growing, and we appreciate that. So now the rest of you, hop on board, join the rest of the cool <laughs> kids. You know what I'm saying? All right. Yeah, we're talking. We're talking really fast because we both want to get to our guest. Exactly. He's busy. He's busy. Man. This dude's got to kick time. somebody's ass in about a month, man. So he's training, and you know we don't want to get in the way of that. So. Yeah, we have Matt Brown on today, and if you don't know him, then you're definitely not a UFC fan because he's one of the most exciting fighters in the UFC, welterweight, top five welterweight contender, and looking at shooting for the belt very soon. And he's had some really exciting fights with Robbie Lawler, who holds the belt right now. So we're going to look forward to asking him about what he thinks about Robbie and Rory coming up soon. And he's going to be fighting Tim, Tim Means on yeah. UFC 189, July 11th, here in my town, Las Vegas. It's going to be the same card as the Robbie versus Rory for the welterweight belt. And also Conor McGregor Conor versus Jose Aldo. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going, to have the, we're going to have the immortal and the notorious all in one show, man. Gonna yeah, it's going to be good. But if you Matt's some of my favorite fights with Matt Brown are versus Mike Swick. Oh, Swick, yeah. that was that was a, that was H-Town. the epitome of a chess match. Yeah, was that fight a jujitsu chess match? If you're a big fan of the ground game, you got to check that out. Check it out on UFC Fight Pass. And then Eric Silva, that was a serious mental toughness. We're going to talk to him about that one as yeah. well. But without further any further d- delay, Matt, how you doing today, man? I'm really good. How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. We know you must be super busy right now training for Tim. How's your camp going? Uh, Everything's going perfectly smooth right now. Um, We're exactly where we need to be at this point and looking forward to finishing it off tight and sharp. Yeah, Tim is – he has a very similar style to you, very aggressive, similar reach. Do you feel that's going to be a good matchup for you? It's similar. It's almost like you're fighting yourself in that one. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's what a lot of people uh, have been saying, that we're kind of a mirror image of each other. Um, I like to think uh, uh, I'm better than him and everything, and he tries to be a mirror image of me. But, you know, I guess that's what we'll get in there and find out. Yeah, exactly. Now, what I'm, the one thing I'm really curious about you is I'm a big fan of Louis Simmons and Westside Barbell, and I know you train with Westside. How did that whole thing happen? Um, you know, I, I literally just walked in one day. There, So I went there – I was actually brought there a couple of times earlier in my career and I had no idea who they really were or anything. And it was just, you know, it's just a regular gym. So, uh, you know, and just, uh, basically, you know, a, a crappy warehouse and yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the, you know, in the middle, the middle of not, not the nicest area in Columbus, but, um, you know, so I thought nothing of it. I thought, <laughs> you know, I'm just here at some gym, whatever. There's nothing special here. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll go back to wherever I'm going. And then, uh, and then I seen it, uh, um, yeah, seen, uh, you know, as I was researching strength and conditioning throughout my life, mm-hmm. you know, of course, Louie's name kept popping up over and right. over. And I started thinking, damn, I, I need to, you know, go see what this is actually all about. I can't believe I was there and didn't even know where I was. And so I literally just walked in one day and, and, uh, Louie knew who I was. It was after I was already in the UFC. So he knew who I was. And, and Louie's a gigantic, a huge gigantic uh mma and boxing combat sports fan right, all around right. and he welcomed me with open arms and has been a huge influence on my life ever since now were you doing any kind of strength and conditioning program on your own or with someone else before working with louis yeah of course um yeah i actually when i first came came back and worked with louis uh, was when I, I I was living in Seattle before that, and I was working with uh, Joel Jameson a lot. Okay, sure. Yeah, he's an expert, also. You know, no doubt. Just in a completely different fashion, completely different style, and um, but you know, a lot of things that, that Joel learned came from Louis, and uh, you know, a lot of things we still do came from Joel. So it all works together pretty good. How do you think working with Louis has benefited you? Oh God, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even begin to to tell you everything. I mean, I mean, probably the number one thing is just the attitude that Louis brings into the gym consistently every day. There's just not a, a no fuck around attitude every day, yeah. and and just you know, at 67 years old, he's in there outworking 20 year olds and and just showing you how it's done. And, and you know, he's a true man's man. And you know, we, we've had it off since the beginning. You know, we got the same mentality and. Um, I just got so much respect for him, and um, but but it, you know in a in a more physical sense, you know, uh, I think a lot of I had a lot of weaknesses um, that that Westside fixed right away, you know, in in terms of uh, hips and um, sort of the kinetic chain, uh, lower back and um, rear. I did. I used to do a lot of things that were really really specific, so everything was always pushing forward. And he got me to pull a lot of things back. So I, I could go into you know a lot of detail. Yeah, when well, I'm, I'm curious, what for example did he did he modify? I mean, are you are you following what would be considered a standard West West Side template? So you're doing speed work and then you're doing maximum strength, such as the powerlifters do, or did he revamp something for you? Yeah, so we basically do completely different than what the the guys do i mean we okay. still follow essentially we, we follow a conjugate system but right but we still we kind of our periodization is still is a little bit different we do more of a wave periodization and it's more of a 
um, it, it, we taper down in, in different ways than the, the powerlifters do because with their conjugate system, the, you know, the way they taper down, they, they consistently do the max effort, the dynamic, and, and the speed days, you know, uh, all the way up until the, 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 uh, uh, the meet. Right. Whereas, whereas for us, what we do is um, we do more GPP, you know, as, as we're f- further out of the, the contest. And then the, the closer we get, we get more specific. And then I essentially about about usually three to four weeks out, I really don't even go to Westside much. You know, we, we do extremely specific. And then we'll go in there just to to maintain uh, anything that we build up. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to yeah. lose anything. So I'll go there, you know, once or twice a week and and just, you know, maintain the strengths and uh, of course, if there's any injuries, we have to work on that, which there always is. And, uh, uh, and of course, um, you know, fix any potential weaknesses. And, and of course, you know, I mean, it depends on, on the particular guy that we're fighting. Um, you know, where my skill set is at at the time. I mean, you know, a thousand different factors go into it. Yeah. Now, does he work with you with restoration as well? Because that's one, one of the things I'm really curious about professional athletes especially mma is the the strategies you put in place to recover from just the grind you put yourself through um louis in in particular not really Uh, he has a lot of guys that we bring in to do all that kind of stuff but um you know the 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 main things that that we do you know with, with louis in in those types of terms would be you know like the reverse hyper and a lot of ligament work with the earthquake bar and the, okay. the, or the I mean the bamboo bar the you know I mean things like that we do a lot of that kind of uh, recovery rejuvenation in there but um, you know we, like we bring in an ART guy and a massage therapist and yeah I mean that kind of thing for uh, uh, you know that Louis obviously doesn't isn't giving me massages you know what I mean so <laughs> yeah you don't want that <laughs> no I, I wouldn't want a massage from Louis he actually does do some chiropractic work on me though like he'll right, crack right. back every now and then so yeah I've heard you had some negative experiences with chiropractors in the past I was listening to Jamie Josta's podcast and that was a great episode so you you often yeah. you kind of steer more towards an ART person, which is what I recommend too, and, and massage. So basically, a, a, a chiropractor that goes way beyond just giving you an adjustment, which is what the generic thing that a chiropractor will do. Exactly. I'm glad somebody actually <laughs> fucking agrees with me on that. Finally, you know, and uh, it's so hard to find anybody that actually understands all that. And, and like I said, so you know, Louis is the only person I'll trust uh, to do that. Now, you know, he's broke his back twice, so. I, he he knows what he's doing there. You know what I mean? Now, um, but yes, I stay away from chiropractors completely. Like I said, we would bring an ART guy. Um, he's he's the the best ART guy I've ever met in my life. I mean, I can bring pretty much any injury to him. Yeah. And ART and, is awesome. ART. I've been using yeah. ART for for probably over twelve years. It's funny because I went to a chiropractor in LA one time. And I had this shoulder issue, my left shoulder. And by the end of the session, he told me it was dislocated. And I go, I think I would know. You know, I think I would know if my shoulder were dislocated. Like that's not something that you just discover by accident. You know? Right. It's probably, probably wasn't dislocated until you went in there. Yeah. But what's funny is I saw this same chiropractor on an episode of Penn and Teller's bullshit show on Showtime. The same exact guy. And this guy, I kid you not, was giving adjustments to babies. 
literal babies that were yeah, coming so, in there. So, oh, come so on, the man. last chiropractor that I went to offered to do that for my kids. They were two years old. Oh, man. And, oh, man. <laughs> you know, well, back then, you know, I didn't even, you know, I still was a believer in the whole chiropractor thing. So, sure. So I, I brought him in one day and he, he only did like, I don't know what, what you call it, but it's like a little you know they weren't trying to sit there and be adjusted so he he did like this, <laughs> this thing where 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 he like taps them with this metal thing or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't even know what you call it or whatever but i you know looking back i'm like thank god he didn't actually fucking do it man <laughs> the art people i mean they go way beyond just chiropractors i i kind of put them in the category of more physical therapists Therapy, yeah. or or something along the lines of body workers, because they're very specific. So you, it's not going to be a generic experience. Have you found that, is there an example you can give us of, let's say, some kind of injury you had, sports-related, which ART addressed pretty well? Uh, yeah, um, the best example would be in, uh, my lower back. You know, I actually um, I herniated uh, two discs a couple of years ago. That's why you know I was supposed to fight Carlos Condit and ended up having to back out as I hernia the discs about a week or two weeks before the fight um and, and every now and then i mean you know it flares up you know what i mean it, it kind of you know starts bothering me and ever since i i've been going to the art guy hasn't flared up at all and when if i do start feeling a little bit i guess i go straight to him and he fixes it right up and uh he, he actually pretty much explained to me why uh, every, it happened the way it happened, and so so the guy, guy, he's real amazing. He, he's got a, an iPad app, and it, and it shows, and he can um, separate each muscle on that app, so he can show mm. you, mm. you know, it's got diagram, and he can show you the muscle. He'll say, this is the muscle that I'm touching, or or releasing, and this is why we're doing it because it's connected to this bone and this bone, et cetera, et cetera. Well, come to find out, it was mainly that my psoas was really tight, right? And, mm. Uh, which is pretty common for people, right? And because it, it's hard sure. to stretch and it's hard to get to, and it takes a an ART expert to be able to get in there, release that thing. Right. So thank God I found him, and you know my back has been a uh, uh, shit ton better. Uh, like I said, it, it flares up every now and then. I go see him, and it'll be better the next day. Yeah. yeah. A lot of times with back injuries, it's usually something that's injured four inches above or below. A lot of times people feel pain in their lower back and they're they're icing their lower back and they're trying to they're doing foam roller on their lower back. And if they hit that area just a little bit above or below, that's often where the pain is coming from. So, I mean, I'd, the, the number one I think I do for recovery and I'm just a regular guy who works out hard. But the number one thing I do for recovery is just go to a really good massage therapist who understands athletes, people who train hard. And, yeah, and yeah. It could fix you because basically each week you're doing things that's steering you off course. You're messing up your body a bit. You're working out hard. Your body's messed up. And then the next week you're doing more things. You're messing yourself up further and things just keep accumulating. But if you go once a week to a really good body worker, active release technique person, whichever the one is, whichever, whoever's around, whoever's available – that basically fixes every problem that week so that it doesn't spiral like a snowball out of control. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I do so much stuff for recovery. You know, you know, I try to treat my body like, like it's a race car, you know, and every time, right. you know, we go racing all the time and it gets uh, dense all the time, you know, so you got to yeah, gotta those dents out. You got to fix the scratches. You got to change the tires. You got to change the oil. You got, you know what I mean? So there's, so many little things, and that's when you know doing the ice baths, the massage, the ART, the uh, you know all these different things are are just different uh, you know analogous to 
you know, changing the tires and right and you know pulling the dents out and yeah, right. uh, tightening up the bolts and lubing the, the chassis and you know things like that. Yeah, exactly. Have you tried Krausana? Are you familiar with that? Uh, I want to try it. They have one up in Cleveland. They don't have one here in, in Columbus. I tried it a couple times a week for a month. I found it useful, but I think it would be really useful for someone like you because you guys train way harder than I do. You know, you're putting in, I'm guessing, three workouts per day, just working on different things. Um, I mean, two usually okay. hard workouts, and then yeah. you know, some, usually if I do a third, I don't really count it as a, a workout per se. But just more working on skills, techniques, specific things. Uh, usually, the, if it's a third, it's a recovery. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. I think the crowd sauna would definitely help any MMA athlete, any professional athlete. It's a pretty interesting experience. You're in there for three minutes, super cold, same temperature as the moon. You come out of there feeling really refreshed and less tight. So, for example, if I do a really heavy deadlift workout, sometimes the next day I'm pretty stiff. But if I do something like the cryostana right afterwards, the next day I find I'm much more loose, more mobile. Really? So I think I think it's pretty cool. Now, it's not quite worth it for someone like me, a regular guy, just because it makes a small percentage of a difference. But for someone like you, that small percentage can be can go a long ways. That, that's that 1%. How would, how would you compare it to an ice bath, though? That's That was kind of my big thing. It was well, like, it's, it's, it's way less miserable than that. Ice bath, you feel like you're going to die in there. It's not, it's yeah, nowhere. I don't find the, the ice bath the least bit miserable. I enjoy it, actually. Oh, you do? Okay. So, I mean, well, then you'll really like the cryosada because it's, it has that same refreshing feeling, but you don't get the shivers or anything like that. And you may not get the shippers anyway. You're a much tougher guy than I am. The way that I do it, go ahead, go ahead. the way that I do my ice bath is I do it with a sauna. Okay. So okay. I'll go in and out. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what I, what I found is um, I can do the sauna for far, far longer which is actually oh no doubt i'm no sure doubt. i'm sure i'm sure you guys have heard some of the this research like uh you know the Rhonda patrick and, and others that have been coming out with with the 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 sauna increasing the gh levels and all these great things it does for your recovery and uh you know i've been wow. doing the sauna. yeah i've been doing the sauna for years anyway right, right like that and now i just do it even more and i do it with the ice bath and now I get the best of both worlds, I feel like. That would be yeah. a perfect combo with the crowd sauna. You go in there for three minutes, then you do the hot sauna. You oh, that'd be sick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to try the crowd sauna really bad. It's just, you know, it's Cleveland's like a two, two and a half hour drive. And, and it's Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, it is Cleveland, so you got to deal with that, too. No, it, w- it wouldn't be worth it for that. See, that's what, I mean, for me, it's a 30-minute drive, and that became a nuisance three or four times a week. If they open up one around the corner for me, I'd probably reconsider it. But right. for a two-hour drive, you have better things to do with that two hours. You're better off oh. doing your ice bath or you're mas- getting the massages, the ART, all that other stuff. If, the, yeah, if, if they get one close by, I, I think, though, if I owned a gym, like my friend Mark Phillippe owns a gym here in Vegas, he should have one of those on site because it would would be great for client retention you put a client in there at the end of each workout their recovery would be dramatically improved they'd get way better results and then it just differentiates you from every gym in town yeah yeah i, I used to train at, at philippines for a little while i didn't oh, you did okay. okay yeah it was only a short time um it, you know vegas is is a fucking mess you know what i mean With, <laughs> for mma fighters you know so oh how's how, how so well i i mean 
all the different fighters go to all the different gyms. There's uh-huh. no loyalty. You never oh, know where right. everybody's going to be the next day. And uh, and then when you do, you know, find where everybody's going. Everybody wants to do their own thing. Everybody, there's a lot of egos. Um, and this, it, it may have changed since I was there, but. Um, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, you know, I went there when it used to be the the Warrior Training Center was right there beside it, and uh, I used to train there with like Kevin Ross and those guys, and um, it, it was a great time while I was there. It's just a matter of you know, I feel like everybody that, that trains in Vegas trains it somewhere for a short amount of time. There's no there's no long term consistency. Right. Yeah. Right. That that's definitely true, and also that gym you're talking about, the name of that gym has changed probably ten times. I mean, right. the, name, the name of that gym changes more than the average strip club name in Vegas changes. <laughs> I mean, that place used to be Throwdown. It used to be the Zions Training Center at one point. Yeah. So, I mean, there's constantly new owners coming in there as well. I've, yeah. I've heard that from other people. My friend Dale Hart used to fight in the UFC. He used to it's, live out here. Yeah, Dale Hart was at Philippines when I was there. Okay, okay. yeah. I, I, I trained at Mark. I used to work out at Mark's as well around 2010. That might have been after you, you trained there. Or it might have been the same time. We just weren't there at the same time. But that's where I met Dale. So I was there for about four months. Okay, yeah, that was when uh, – so Dale Hart was there and uh, Stefan Bonner was just coming in. I think Dale was kind of – like, it seemed like he was filtering out. That's right. Around that time. So exactly, That's exactly right. And Gray Maynard was there around the same time. Frank yeah. Frank Mir was there for yeah. a little while. You're, you're right, though. People tend to just keep rotating out of different places. Is that, is that common with an MMA? Or is it just Vegas? You think? No, just Vegas. Okay. That was really, you know, you know, my my whole issue with, with Vegas. Um, there was a lot of good that I got out of, of living out there, but there was that was the main issue. You know, what I mean, is is it's kind of there's so many people out there, but it's every man for himself. Yeah, I it's, like, it's like what's the point of being out here with so many people when every man is just for themselves? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And then I'm sure everywhere you go out here, you probably had some experts, quote-unquote experts, coming up to you and giving you fight <laughs> advice. You know? Does yeah, that happen to you quite it. a bit? Yeah, did, do you ever walk around? You Are you in Columbus, Matt, or where are you at? Yeah, I'm in Columbus. Okay. Do you ever just walk around and you're just you're with your wife, your kids, you're just minding your own business, and then just some random guy comes up and said, hey, man, I saw your fight, and I think you need to work on this. You know? It's always yeah. the Buffalo yeah. Wild Wings champ of the world. It's always got to step <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, it, it drives me up the fucking wall, but <laughs> – you know, uh, I guess it comes with the, with the sport or, you know, with the territory. I mean, you know, you, you got to deal with the good fans and you got to deal with the, the idiots. I just don't know why anyone who has never done what you do thinks they can give you advice, though. That's the part yeah, that astonishes yeah. me. Yeah, it's, well, it's the same motherfuckers on Sunday are sitting there saying, why'd they run that play? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're like, I go to sports bars every once in a while. Most of the time I watch UFC at home, peace and quiet. But every once in a while I go to a sports bar with friends, and I'm always laughing at just what people are randomly shouting out. It's like, what are you doing? You need to do this. And then I'll turn around and look at the guy, and he's, he looks like he's six months pregnant. He's got more estrogen than his wife or whoever's with him. And I'll the, worst, say, the worst that I get is, I, I, like I say, I go to a, a bar or something to watch a UFC, and there'll be a guy sitting there you know, smoking a cigarette, drinking a beer. They'll tell me. <laughs> I wish that shit was around when I was a kid. I was, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because you look, you look like such a dedicated person that you you would have sacrificed so much to get to the U.S. <laughs> so it's like what Joe Rogan says. He goes, Joe Rogan says, these guys, they don't want to get into a fight. They want to beat someone up, right, where it's one-sided. <laughs> yeah, right. They, 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 want, they want to get into the equivalent of punching a heavy bag. They don't want to get into something where – 
they may get their ass yeah, kicked or they're getting face. punched in the face. <laughs> exactly. If you've never been punched in the face before, you know, that's a unique experience. Well, you yeah. Know? <laughs> makes you, makes yeah, you contemplate a lot so of true. things in life, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually used to live at Ohio. I went to the College of Wooster. So I lived out there for a few years and I used to work at this. I used to be a bouncer at the only nightclub in town, which was the equivalent of the nightclub in, in that movie Roadhouse. You know, it's very similar to that. <laughs> And you just, you just had a lot of weekend warriors coming in there who were tough. But again, these were bully type people. They wanted to beat someone up. They didn't want to get into a real fight where there's a strong chance that they're going to get their ass kicked. So I, I, I always equate people like that to the person, to the example you just gave. So I was, I was, yeah, I figured just, you know, ahead, when, a lot of times when I start working with younger athletes, amateurs, whatever, I always ask yeah. them, you know, what, what is your motivation? What do you want to do this for? Why? Why you want to do MMA? It's just crazy. You know what I mean? Why you want to do this? And I, I get a few different responses. Sometimes, you know, they, they say, you know, I want to test myself or I want to go on a journey or, you know, I love this shit. I love rush, whatever. And then every now and then you get that guy that says, I just want to fucking hurt people. And those <laughs> are the ones that I push away. I say, you know, if you want to hurt people, go downtown and be a bouncer because Right. Then you can hurt those drunk people, and they probably <laughs> fucking deserve it. <laughs> if you look at each champion or each top-level guy in the mm -hmm. UFC, I doubt any of them have that mentality. I mean, you guys are combat athletes. You're, you're athletes in general. You're competitive. But it doesn't seem like that's the motivation. Like, I'm going to go in there and just beat the fuck out of somebody. It's like you want to go in and win, and if, if that's the method you have to use to win, you'll use it. But it doesn't seem like that's the goal necessarily. No, I don't, th I don't think you can have that mentality at this level right. and it, it, just because – to get to this level, you're going to take so many ass beatings. That's going to get beat uh, out by yeah. this. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the things that – I think that's probably one of the best things you guys go through is the character building because that's definitely going to humble you. You're not going to walk around like that idiot at the bar again. Well, that idiot at the bar, he's attitude. only seeing the fight on the on the screen right at that moment. He didn't see what it took to get to be on yeah, that screen exactly. at that moment, yeah. getting your ass kicked two and three times a day. Six days a week for like twelve months out of the year, they're, they're not and, and, and and losing fights too, right? Because Matt Matt's had you, you've yeah. had your setbacks, right? You've had yeah. some bad losses, and then you've you had, had some, some bad great decisions, wins. Yeah. you know. So yeah, yeah I mean that, that's you know to me that, that's part of the the job, you know. I mean, right. you got to take the ups with the downs, and, and and a lot of people don't realize the difference between you know a bar fight or getting to a fight on the streets. You know, maybe you can whoop someone's ass on the street. Good for you. When you get under those lights and you got a million people watching, you got your friends and family are there. You've been training for this for months. You put your heart and your soul into it. The other guy, you're looking across at him, and he wants to rip your fucking head off. He, you know what I mean? And and for whatever reason, when you get in under those lights, that guy that was, you know, probably weighs 180 pounds looks like he's 230 pounds. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Uh, it, it's a yeah, it's a completely different world and. And that, that's why uh, I never criticize, man. You know, when I watch fights, I, I just don't even criticize people in there, man. I, I don't – I can't stand – I can barely stand watching fights with other people because I hear them, you know, talking about what they could or shouldn't do. They get, you know, these different things that people talk about during fights. And I, I just can't even stand it. They, they sit there, ask me, you know, what should he have done, or whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, man. You know, it, it's you're like you're the fight whisperer or something. Like, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. Matt, you what know, should I'm, he do? Yeah. Yeah, it must be hard for you to watch fights with civilians because oh everybody's gosh. turning and looking at you every time there's a question. Can't even about watch something. the fight in peace every five seconds. Hey, Matt, should he? I can. I can get out of that hole. 
Which like, what would you, what would you have done differently? Like you're, like you're the UFC's John Madden or something. You're doing a play-by-play. <laughs> God, I hope I never become John Madden oh, of this God. shit. <laughs> Just start talking some random shit about nothing. You know what I'm curious about also is that I find that I don't even like talking to people before I go to the gym and work out, right? Like a business call or something like that. I just find it's such a, it just takes your energy down, even if it's a good call. So I'm curious how much energy of, how much of an energy dissipation that whole fight week is where you're doing constant media interviews exactly. and you have these lights in your face. You got to do the and open then workout every, and all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You Things can't even you work out have to do, you know, you know, so you don't go down the route of the Diaz brothers and you don't show up and then you got Dana pissed off at you. You know, all these things <laughs> that are required of your job. Like, how do you handle that stuff? Man. No, well, to be honest, um, it takes practice. The first few times I did, I guess I was probably a little more fortunate, you know, coming up through the Ultimate Fighter. You kind of yeah. get, it's kind of a sink or swim. You got to get used to it right away. You're used to cameras being in your face. So the, the Ultimate Fighter, I give you credit for that. It is, it's a good basic training system for bringing fighters into the UFC that, that have potential to be big. Um, once I got into the UFC and was, uh, having to deal with it. It was a while before I really had to deal with that. I wasn't dealing with a lot of media right away. Um, once I did start dealing with it, and even up till today, I actually I do um, uh, visualization, and I'll actually visualize myself being at the media things. And you know, it, it's about it's all about just having the right focus, man. You know, if if you got the right focus. On, on the the fight and the right focus throughout your life and your day-to-day thing, then it doesn't matter what happens throughout the day. Your focus isn't going to waver. And and that's, a, and that's a thing that takes practice and, is, and can be a learned thing. And uh, it, it's taken me a long time to do it. And um, the best book I'd tell anybody to read is called In Pursuit of Excellence. And uh, any person in the world, you know, regardless of their job, and that's what the whole book is about. And I've read it probably 20 times. It's, it's my Bible for uh, sports psychology. And that's really all, all that that stuff comes down to. It's just, it's just a simple focus that, you know, if, if you're pursuing that excellence, you're going to learn how to control that focus. And that's right. a, a part of the pursuit of excellence. Yeah, you're so focused on where you're going that all of these things that other people would find distracting or just not in your they're not in your way it's not an obstacle yeah yeah it's, it's not it's nothing right so i mean there's a there's a great book called the obstacle is the way by ryan holiday yeah it's, it sounds yeah, sounds similar to what you're talking about there where he's basically saying that obstacles are great you know you need to embrace obstacles because that's how you become successful so many people try to avoid obstacles they want to be comfortable they're like i want to i want to go to a seminar and learn how to be successful without having to suffer at all right, right that's right, right that's basically what every motivational speaker is trying to sell you i'm going to sell you all these shortcuts when my attitude is that the suffering is the juice you know that's right. where you're going to learn who the fuck you are and what you're capable of and then the person you become going through that crucible it, it just really defines you in such a strong way. And you truly know and that's, that's what you really want to do, you know? It's crazy you just mentioned that book because I was literally looking at that book like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, right, right, or not 10 minutes. We've been on the podcast more than 10 minutes, but yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> you're you're all reading so I, while I, we're talking. <laughs> so I, get I, that I, chapter in <laughs> I occasionally listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast, and, sure, that, sure. and he recommended it. 
it's on his list of recommended books. I was I was about to, I'm a, I'm gonna buy it now. You 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 put me over the edge. I'm buying the motherfucker. No, it's, it's good, man. I like it. He he had another book that was a little bit weird. Media manipulators. Yeah. And that book was basically like all these shady techniques he used to help be, build people's businesses. And I was like, hey, that's great that he's revealing this stuff. But man, what does that say? The same, oh that you the same guy wrote that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. But but the, 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 the caveat is that the obstacle is the way is refreshing. That's very good. It's really good. So it's kind of a it's kind of a weird enigma right there. That on one hand you have this guy's book, which is a well written book, but what does it say about you as a person that you're using all these shitty techniques? I mean, the whole book is admitting all these things you did, and then at the end it's like no one else should do it, but you did these things you know, <laughs> to get successful to write this fucking book. Just, yeah, that's, that's exactly, equivalent of exactly like that. Uh, OJ, if I had done it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It reminds me of uh, uh, Forty Eight Laws of Power. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I think you said at the beginning of the book like you should never use this because it can be used the wrong way. However, but no, we've but, had Robert, but, we've had the author on the. This is what all the politics do or whatever well you know the, what i took from that book because the, we've had the author on the show before robert green 48 laws of power 50th law what, what i got what i took away from that book is you don't necessarily want to use these things but you want to be well aware of them because so other people are going to be using it on you exactly. like you know if you're in, yeah, so that's, yeah that's exactly what it said at the beginning of the book and you know, I'm reading the book like, dude, I'm using this shit. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I, I, I recommend that book yeah. highly, man. I, I read yeah. that book all the time because I I was intuitively aware of this just being in the business world right. for a long time. I'd seen a lot of the things that – I'd experienced a lot of those things in various situations that he mentioned in the book. But the book really crystallized it for me. So now when I'm in that situation, yeah. I know exactly what someone's doing. And sometimes yeah. just, just for fun, I'll call them out on it. And then that, you know, that shuts people up real yeah. fast. So those those books are really good. Sun Tzu's Art of War. It's it's kind of yeah. like the, the business equivalent of something like that. Like that's one of my favorite books too. But Forty Eight Laws of Power really crystallizes it in. Okay, this is these are real world examples that if you're trying to be successful in any way, if you just even interact with people, you're going to experience this. Because the example I gave to Robert Greene when he came on our show was I used to live in L.A. and, and L, there's no more opportunistic city in the world than L.A. You know, it's the fakest city you could ever go to. And right. everyone, everyone's on the take. At least that's how it feels out there. And he basically said, that's just human nature. You know, you go anywhere, anywhere in the world, there's going to be an element of that. So the key is you have to be aware of these things rather than just having this illusion that if I just think positive, it's not going to affect me. For sure, yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty awesome. You had Robert Green on. Oh yeah. Oh, it was cool, man. I'll send you the link to the episode. That was that was really good. That was that was probably when we first started the yeah, show. Yeah, was our early days. Yeah, probably about two years ago. Yeah, yeah we're coming right up. We we got them on probably by accident because we, <laughs> we, we were brand spanking new man. We probably yeah. went a month into doing our, our show and we got him. I'm like okay. Score. Yeah, he's just a, he's just being a nice guy because uh, at that time I don't I don't know if it would have been worth his time. You know now the show is pretty big, but back then he probably was just being cool because he's he's, <laughs> right. he's, he's a very interesting guy though. I I really like the fiftieth law more. That's the one he yeah. wrote with Fifty Cent. That one really resonated with me more so because a lot of 50 cents examples I found really compelling just growing up in the streets in New York City and the, and the hustle he used to get to where he is. So that, that was those kind of – you know, I always feel that just as important as reading about how people are successful is reading about why people aren't successful. Right. You know, if there was a book of just failure, one failure after another. I think you would learn a lot there. I think Jay-Z said he learns a lot more from his failures than his successes. Yeah, well, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like like um, like like Michael Jordan. You know, everybody yep. said that he was the. Uh, everybody, he's known for the last minute shots that he made, but everybody forgets that he also missed more last minute shots exactly. than exactly him. Than Babe Ruth, and you know, nobody talks about how many times this dude struck out. <laughs> you know, you know, right. I always talk about his right. home runs. He's also a strike. He's, he's a leader in striking out as well, but no one talks about that. You know, well, even even LeBron James last night. I mean, he <laughs> yeah. hit. I think I think he hit forty one points, but I think he missed forty attempts as well. <laughs> yeah, but everybody focused on his, you know, on the comeback and you know how they may yeah. take the series. And they're like, no, did you, did you talk about all the times that he missed as well? You know, and probably every one of those misses probably motivated him more. Like, okay, I gotta step up my game. You know, we've seen a lot of guys get very comfortable when they get like sixty points and then they lose the game. Right, <laughs> you know, because they right. started getting comfortable because they there was no pressure anymore in their head, at least, you know, as far as it went. Man. So, yeah. I, th- I think I think one of the biggest impediments to success, though, is is jealousy of other people's success and also just trying to put other people's success down to make you feel better for your in- inadequacies. <laughs> I mean, just like what you said about the guy in the bar, we keep going back to this guy <laughs> because it's so common, so <laughs> many contexts. I mean, whenever I work out heavy at the gym, I'm doing heavy deadlifts or something, there will inevitably be some older guy who goes, oh, I'd hate to have your back in a couple of years. Or, or it's, either th- it's either that or someone going, oh, you know, I used to be able to do that. <laughs> you know, and, and this guy's on a he's – like, he's doing – he's doing – He's on a, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, like a peck the, the fly water. machine or something yeah, like that. Thank you. A peck, a peck, a peck deck. A peck deck. Yeah. Yeah. More like a tit deck now for him, you know. <laughs> he hasn't had pecks in years, man. <laughs> no, his, his gut's so big he hasn't seen his feet. <laughs> That's what I was cracking up, when, else below was the waist, cracking up when you said when a guy told you, like, yeah, I hate to see your back in a couple of years. Like, I'm looking at his stomach like, I hate to have your front in a couple of years, too, man. So. <laughs> I was like, man, my stomach right now. Exactly. My, exactly. It's like because I have a strong core. People think that uh, they think bringing others down. Is going to bring them up. Exactly. And, you know, it doesn't work that way. You no, so, I mean, so do you do you find that at all? Probably not from other fighters, but do you find that? I don't know where the context would be. Just in your world, do you get that? Do you find you get negative energy from people? Oh, absolutely. And you mm-hmm. know, I think other fighters do that too. I think they okay. try to bring others down to bring them up. And I see. I, I think I don't think it's an uncommon thing at all. And of, of course, man. I've noticed it more in, in the past couple of years as my whatever fame or whatever you want to call it, you know, has grown, um, especially around uh, the city of Columbus. You know, the, the locals do hard work. And, you know, I have what they feel that they deserve, but, you know, they weren't getting up <laughs> at a.m. doing doing hill sprints when I was, you know, what I mean, they they weren't you know, doing, uh, uh, extra rounds at the end when, when everybody else was going home and, you know, they weren't doing, you know, 50 arm bars when the coach told them to do 10. So, you know, I mean, those are things that, uh, you know, they're, they're jealous of the outcome. They're not jealous of the journey to get there. Yeah. I think a lot of people watch the UFC and they think it's all fun and games where it's like, wow, these guys get to fight in Vegas. It's glamorous. And then, and then they go to after parties afterwards. I mean, that's that's what, three, four times a year at the most. The rest of the time you're in the gym training. It's not glamorous at all. There's no after no out that party. fight bonus, you know, to pay the yeah. bills for the next six months until you get another fight. You know, yeah, you don't right. have you don't have a crowd <laughs> don't watching every single one of your is, is when you win and the week after the fight. Yeah. For for one week, it's, it's a fucking glamorous life. Everybody wants to suck your dick, and you're doing <laughs> you're on top of the fucking world, and, and you know everything's fucking beautiful. But then you know you got one week to rest and 
and lick your wounds and, and wipe the blood off your knuckles and you're back in there, you know, putting the same fucking sweaty gloves on and, you know, getting kicked in the head by the same motherfuckers and, and <laughs> same old shit again, you know. Is there kind of an emotional crash after a fight? Do you feel you get kind of depressed after all of that's over for a little bit? Um, not well, it depends on the fight for one. If, if yeah, you, if you lose, lost, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're fucking really depressed. <laughs> Robbie, that was a great, the top guys, because he's the champion right now. You went five rounds with him. He couldn't finish you. You know, so that's a moral victory in a lot of ways. So a lot of people felt you had that. It was very close. So that one probably had his, I mean, I'm sure it still sucks to lose, but it had to feel good in some ways that you. No, it didn't. Showed um, I, I don't believe in it. <laughs> I don't. I don't have any moral victories coming out. Of no, okay. Yeah, and I think that's something. So that that's something I think again. You know, maybe maybe only. I don't know. I don't know how other fighters feel, but that's something I've never really taken away from it because the yeah. way I see it, man, is you know, a hundred years from now, nobody's going to look at shit except a W and an L. No, that's right. And my right. my friend Dale said the same thing you said. He goes, he goes. Look, I don't care how long I train for the fight. He's like, what pit? What what matters to me is whether I win or lose. And if I lose, I'm pissed. Like he said, he lost one time. He just made a mistake. The guy capitalized on it, and he just kept chasing him down afterwards, going, "Come on, man, let's fight in the parking lot." You know, it's like I'll pay you to fight me again. Yeah, because- see, so I, I don't I don't only care if I win or lose, but. Uh, post fight, I do only care if I won or lost. I, I guess it's a funny way to explain it, but yeah. yeah. You know, so, so going into the fight, and uh, you know, so I, so for instance, with the Robbie Lawler fight, right? I can I can walk away from that, and I'm not disappointed by my performance. I gave it everything that I had, so I don't have any reason, I don't have any regrets, and I don't, I, I'm not disappointed in the way that the fight ended up. But the fact that I lost takes away any chance of happiness you know what i mean like yeah. like there's no moral victories there's no fucking <laughs> like 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 i feel perfectly fine about it, but i have nothing to regret i have nothing to be disappointed about you know he was a better man that night i i know why i, I believe i know uh you know why he beat me i believe i you know what i mean i watched the videos i know what happened in the fight i believe i know what happened um and i believe i'm gonna go and, and i'm gonna fix that so it doesn't happen again yeah yeah Makes sense. You want to be well calibrated, right? So if if you get distracted by saying, "Oh, that was a moral victory," and everyone said I did a great job, then maybe you won't push yourself as hard. Well, if you're more realistic about, it, "Hey, I lost. This is why. Let's go fix it." Now you're solution oriented. That's that's exactly it. That's a yeah. perfect way to put it. And uh, you know, I've, I've lost enough fights that you know it's unfortunate that that you know had to be that way but you know they they say you learn from your losses you know i learned from my wins and my losses but obviously you're going to learn uh probably something a little more from your losses and i've learned a lot because i got a lot of losses you know what I mean? so, <laughs> and, 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 I've, and i've learned over time that um you know if i lose as long as i learn something from it then I can be okay with it. You know what I mean? As long as I gave everything I had, you know, I've never quit. I've never gave up and I've never, I've never given it away, you know, nothing like that. So I don't have anything to be ashamed of. I don't have anything, um, you know, not to walk away proud from. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But, but ultimately, um, you know, I have to learn from that. And, and and that's why I I try to learn as much from my wins as, as my losses. I I don't, I don't think you necessarily can. I don't think it's possible, but, but I try to even that out because, uh, that way, I mean, that's the way it should be. You know what I mean? Like I I should be able to learn as much 
either way. The, the W and the L shouldn't mean anything. But my, my ultimate point is when I when I walk away at, you know, hopefully not till I'm 60 years old, but w- whenever I do walk away, all the all this when I look back, the only thing that's going to matter is going to be W's and L's. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. In everybody else's eyes, in my eyes, hey, I, I fucking I enjoyed the ride. I fucking had some great wars, and you know what I mean. And I can be happy, but in everybody in the world's eyes, you won or you're fucking lost. You know, right? What I mean? No, no one remembers who came in fifth place or second place or fourth <laughs> right. place. Yeah, yeah. I yeah see what ultimately, you're really, nobody really remembers. If it was a fucking war, if it was <laughs> right, you know, right. <laughs> so sometimes you know, there's those legendary wars that people remember. But I mean, I mean, come on, you know, nine times out of ten, nobody gives a fuck how great of a fight it was. Right. I mean, even even if you're a champion for a while, there's gonna after you when you're done, there's another champion, and then people forget <laughs> about the champion before that. Exactly. Uh, you know, so the whole thing is kind of fleeting when you look at it that way. So if you're not if you're not really enjoying the process and this is something you absolutely love to do, then it's it's all kind of meaningless to some extent yeah. because all of us will be forgotten no matter what we're doing at some point. Exactly, and, yeah, and exactly. I I try not to uh, to get too deep into that because you know, <laughs> you'll just end up fucking committing suicide and be like, yeah, that's <laughs> a real black hole. Because <laughs> then you're all like, why am I doing but, this shit then? So yeah, exactly. It's like, why do anything if you think about it too much? You know? yeah, exactly. So, but you know, at the same time, you do have to be realistic and and realize that that you know all this little shit is kind of irrelevant. You know what I mean? No doubt. Yeah, now, another thing I'm curious shit. about is you have you you have a very unique philosophy on nutrition. You have a periodization strategy, but also mm-hmm. what I'm interested in is how do you time your nutrient? What, you, what kind of nutrient timing do you do the day of a fight? So, for example, if you're fighting at let's say 9 p.m., do you have a meal two hours beforehand? Do you have some kind of pre-work or, or pre-fight meal an hour beforehand? How do you work that out? Yeah, so you kind of don't really have much of a choice because you know they take you to the arena about uh, two, two and a half hours before the fight, and you're not allowed to bring any food to the arena. Really, I always, I always sneak in a little something, <laughs> just, just some uh, you know some sort of carbohydrate. Like I, I like those uh, w- w- Harvest Power Bars, sure, uh, um, or a regular Power Bar, uh, but I'll have to eat that you know a little closer to the fight. Uh, you know, uh, maybe a banana, an apple. You know, just something, just to so my belly's not completely unfull. But usually, the, the day of the fight, um, I try to eat pretty similar to what I've been eating the whole camp. Right. The, right. You know, that, that's the the whole idea. You know, during fight week, is that I that I can maintain my diet that uh, consistently that I've been doing the whole time. Obviously, it's pretty it's impossible because the day before you don't eat anything you know, until late at night. So, so it turns into kind of a mess and there's, I don't think there's really any perfect way to do it, but, um, I basically, I just try to get all my, my healthy fats and, you know, slow burning carbs. And, uh, I don't worry too much about protein, like just enough to get all the amino acids that I need. Right. And, uh, and, and enough to keep me feeling full. That's crazy. That's crazy though, that you're not allowed to bring any food with you because you're back there for hours. I mean, what do they expect you to do? Well, I guess they you don't want have, you to go out there and, you know, and, and, and as you say, Mike, commit that, that crime scene from the behind while you're in the middle of a yeah. fight, you know, in those tights. I mean, <laughs> last thing you want to do on national television is sit there and have an explosion right there on no, your No, you opponent. don't want to crap your pants. I get that. You, you don't want to have yeah. a big meal right before you go, but four hours is a fairly long time. Well, it's, it's like two or two and a half hours. But okay, I take, okay. I take it back. So, so some of the venues 
or some of the events, whatever, I don't know, ha- have said you can't bring anything. Like I said, we always do. Everybody, I think, I think everybody does. But what they'll say is that you can't eat it in the locker room, which is kind of ridiculous. But um, I've noticed they've changed that where they, they'll tell you that, uh, you know, you can bring something, but you can't eat it in the locker room. You have to eat it outside the locker room. Okay. <laughs> it, it's strange or yeah they have maybe, a lot of rules <laughs> yeah I, I don't know maybe it's like you have to eat it in front of the commission or some goofy shit I don't know <laughs> maybe you're gonna eat like, some I don't know I don't, some performance enhancing power bar or something like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Superpowers yeah to, be, in two to hours. be honest like I said I, I don't even pay attention to the rule I just bring me some you know like I said a power bar or a fruit or something to be really to, I, I uh, the one thing uh, probably different about me is that I focus so much on my nutrition that I can go by feel a little bit. So that day I can see exactly how I'm feeling. You know what I mean? What do I feel like eating today? Right. You know I mean? You got, I think you got to follow your gut to an extent when it comes to nutrition. Yeah. You don't want to have gut issues in the octagon. That's yeah. the last thing you yeah. want to worry about. You know? <laughs> right. And I've had that before. So, you know, I've learned from those mistakes too. <laughs> you had that, you had that in, as in your energy was dissipated or, or you had the bubble guts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just straight to the point. <laughs> yeah. What we're trying to say is where you were about to crap your pants in there literally or you know what happened <laughs> I've, I've had a little bit of all of it happen i won't oh, go into much detail no, that's okay that's okay we won't ask yeah. further because <laughs> i also have to feel that your adrenaline has to be pumping so much oh, too God. and you know that that can affect your digestion to a large extent especially when someone's brand new to the whole thing you know just mm-hmm. the, the stress of the whole i mean frank shamrock talked about how a lot of his athletes would just be throwing up right before they have to go on, and then sometimes they'd have to have a puke bucket ready in case as they're walking out yeah. they have to go again. And then I think he said he was really stressed early on, and then he got to the point where he could just take a power nap right before his fight, and sometimes people would have to wake him up and say, hey, you're up next. He just got to that point. Are, are you pretty relaxed right before you go in, or are you just pretty amped up and just trying not to burn energy? Um, well, there's a, a certain amount of uh, – uh, uh, an optimal, I don't know what you, uh, excitement level sure. somewhere in there. And, um, actually that, that book in pursuit of excellence, he, he described it perfectly. He said, uh, you know, when you're listening to the radio in your car, you know, if you turn it up all the way, you know, it starts getting a little fuzzy. You turn it down too low, you can't hear it. So you got to find, you know, you want to turn up as loud as possible where you're still nice and clear. And that, that's what you're, that's exactly what I'm looking for when I'm, nice. When I'm in there, you know, uh, I've I've been both ways. I, I've went into fights way too relaxed. Um, I've went into fights way too overamped. So, you know, it, it's an experience thing where, you know, again, I think there's got to be a little bit of a, a gut feeling about it. You got to kind of uh, have have your own. So, you know, it depends on how, how you wake up that morning. You know, yeah. Some, yeah. sometimes, you know, you're just not as happy. You just you're just not as well, you wake up, you just don't fucking feel like fighting in front of a thousand, twenty thousand people that day, right? You know, so you got to learn how to control that with your mind, and that's part of that daily grind. Where you know some of these people that they only train a few times a week or whatever, they don't get that. You know what I mean, I go in there and, I, and I'm training when I feel fucking terrible. I go in there and train, you know, when when I feel great. It's all the same to me, though. I have to learn how to control my mind, control my body. So it all balances out that it doesn't matter how I feel anymore. Yeah. The, the, the emotions and the, the external feelings, uh, any physical pains, all that shit becomes irrelevant. My body is taught to perform regardless of what happens. 
Yeah, I think that's a very important philosophy right there because even whether it's fighting or anything you're trying to achieve in life, if you only act when you feel perfect, you're never going to get anything yeah, done. Exactly. Yeah, anybody can go in the gym when they feel great and, and perform. And right. you know, so, sometimes those are the guys that piss me off the most. You know, they'll, they'll only come when they feel good. And then they want to come spar with me and, and like, OK, I just did a fucking West Side session two hours ago and now I'm trying to spar you. You, you know what I mean? And, and I'm fucking run down. My, my my shins are beat up. My my fists are hurt. You know what I mean? And this guy wants to come in fresh, feeling good. And, and you know what I mean? So, you know, th- those are the guys that cause problems in the gym, you know, in, in my opinion. And um, but I, at the same time, I like that. You know what I mean? So I'm the type of guy to. Um, I don't let those kind of things get to me. You know, I, I look at it as a as a challenge. You know, you're going to come in here fresh. I, I'm coming in here beat up. Let's do this. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that mental toughness is so paramount. If you don't have mental toughness, then forget it. I think that can be equated to most things in life. If you're trying to build a business and you don't have mental toughness and perseverance and just that this notion of just crushing it until it's done, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to blast through those obstacles, those failures, those inevitable failures that come along the way or not failure setbacks that come along the way. That's a fact. There's a lot of parallels with business and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and fighting, you know, where I think one of the biggest ones is, is, you know, the truth is always comes out in the long run. Right. No doubt. Yeah. No if, if, if a lot of guys would get away with it, Mike Tyson is a perfect example, you know, um, for the longest time, everybody believed a certain thing about Mike Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> and then the truth came out. Right. Right. I mean, and then they found it even more. Once, if you've read his book, you're like, really? <laughs> like some of those fights, you're sitting there thinking like, dude, this was, he was in that fight high as hell on coke. And he still performed that way. But nobody would want to believe something like that back then. You know, but now exactly. after he's fallen a few times, now everybody's like, yeah, I can see how that happened. Really? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> <That's my laughs> I, I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, no wonder his life went a certain way. When you can perform like that under those conditions and still get away with things, then of course, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of parallel to what we were talking about with John Jones a couple of episodes right. ago. He's going it's that same route almost that Mike went through. It's just like, but then again, a few years from now, let's say 20 years from now, he writes a book and he says he did all this. And then they're like, yeah, I can see that. But no, nah, everybody's in disbelief now. Like he did what? Well, you know, then why that's, do you do that? John Jones story is going to be an interesting story because, man, he's got, he's, you know, he's so talented. Yeah. And Absolutely. It's, I think a little different than, than Mike because, you know, the truth came out with Mike when, when he started fighting the top guys. We found out he's not a real fighter. You know what I mean? Uh, I, and, we found out he's he's a mental midget that that he he cannot hang with the top guys in the world the best he he wasn't able to do it with Evander with Lennox you know what I mean so we right. found out, that's the truth that I'm talking about we found about him mm-hmm. with John Jones we found out the opposite yeah mm-hmm. that motherfucker goes out <laughs> and, and is partying doing <laughs> one night and beating fucking the world beaters the next yeah. night. Yeah, well, in some ways, that's more impressive. I mean, in some ways, that's even more impressive, right? I mean, you know, because I've heard that he kind of slacks off with yeah. his training sessions. He doesn't push it that hard. I heard for the Gustafson fight, he didn't really go through. He didn't really push himself hard in the training camp. And then he still goes in and dominates not just guys, but some of the best I mean, or many even, of the best. Yeah, doesn't even really like going to like fully hard in the training camp and just throws Daniel Cormier around like, I mean, he's an Olympic wrestler. Throws him around like a child. Yeah, no one ever, no one had ever beaten him before. And, and he beat him the whole time. They punched him in the gut and everything. You know? I mean, that, that was incredible. So not only does he beat him, it's just like he tries to humiliate him just to show him like, look, yeah. look what I can do to you. 
when I feel like doing it to you. So just and man, that, that's going to be a very interesting <laughs> long-term story, you know what I mean? Because that story's not over yet. No, no I don't think so. Far I, from it. It's an interesting paradox, though, that he's such an incredible fighter, yet he has these real self-destructive personality traits. So I wonder. Well, yeah. Like I wonder what, that kind of plays into the part why he's such a great fighter. You know, it's like yeah. fighting those demons. You know, it's a little harder than fighting Daniel Cormier. You know, right. it's going to be a little harder than that. It's just like okay, you kind of you can watch a film and see what this guy's about. But those demons, a lot of times you're doing more running from that. You do more cardio from those demons. You know, a lot of these guys, a lot of these top athletes are like that. You know, what are they really running from? That's what motivates them to be so badass in whatever they're doing because they're not trying to go back and deal with whatever they have to deal with. So they spend all yeah. that time, you know, just being the best at that. So they can use that, use that as a crutch also. So when you say, well, hey, you're a coke addict or you're this addict, like, you know, but I'm the best in the fucking world in that ring. Well, it's, almost, know, he, it's almost like it's he like, wants to see what he can get away with, like Bill Clinton, right? Bill oh, Clinton's yeah. like, let me just see. I'm such a great president. Let me see what I can get away with yeah, here while I'm, while I'm in the Oval Office. Yeah, that sounds, like, <laughs> sounds like every president. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, just, just, the, just when you decide that you want to run for president, imagine the kind of ego you have to have, you know, the level of self-beliefs like i want to be the most powerful person arguably oh. in the world definitely in the country yeah it's gonna be a certain kind of person be, yeah. yeah it's a level of narcissism and you know social being a sociopath that most people don't even want to talk about because you don't want to think about a world leader being a narcissist and a world and a sociopath because it just sounds dangerous but like no but we trusted this guy we're voting for this guy we don't want to be like that he can't be right. that way like come on man this dude wants to pretty much rule the world Okay, and then you have to get in bed with a lot of shady characters, oh, you know, in order to get to that point. <laughs> Hopefully, not literally, but who knows? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you never know these days. <laughs> now, going going totally off topic, man. I'm also a big metal fan. I know you're really into intense music, like Hatebreed and so forth. And I, I read somewhere that oh, you man. were actually at the Damage Plant show where Dimebag yeah, yeah. Daryl got shot. Is that true? Yes, it is. Yeah, that had to be completely right. surreal. Man, that was a. It, it's still surreal to this day, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And even to this day, it, it doesn't feel like it actually happened, you know? But it did. I mean, I don't know what to say about it, really. Yeah, that was such a. I mean, it was just such a crazy incident. I don't know what anyone really can say about it, but it, it was. It, it just seems like such a such a waste. I mean, it, if it happened to anyone, it would be a waste. But it just seems like such a waste of talent over some total idiot. And I and I I've noticed that security is not a whole lot better now at most shows than it was then. And in Vegas, it's pretty good. You know, they they do a lot of metal detector checks and so forth to block that. But I, I wonder if anything has actually changed to prevent something like that from ever happening again. For the most part. I mean, I, I don't know, but you know, for me personally, I, I don't, I don't think there's really a, a call for it. I mean, there's, there's a one in a million gazillion. That's true too. Yeah. You know what I mean, so, you know, it's no reason to go into panic, nine eleven mode, and then just change the whole system. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, even nine eleven, there wasn't any reason necessarily to go into that mode, but. No, I agree. Uh, <laughs> that's. No, I mean, there used to be a time you could meet someone at the gate when they when it came in, and now it's, it's flying is not much fun anymore. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's a whole nother, that's a whole different show right there. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm the you know a different uh, uh, opinion on those types of things. You know, I don't 
I don't think it's, it's that big of a deal, uh, you know, to have more security or anything there. Sure. Uh, you don't want to go. You don't want to go into alarmist mode where now it's the opposite problem, where it's not fun at all because it's such a controlled environment. My God, yeah, please. Yeah. Don't do that, you know. And when I used to I, go to I, shows like the Chromex and so forth, we're running up on stage, we're jumping out, and people would get hurt. But it wasn't intentional. We're all having a good time, and then it got to a point where you had a lot of thugs come in, and a lot of fights happen, and people were getting hurt, and then everything just changed. Where the show experience now is completely different than when I grew up. Yeah, you know, they have the um, Rock on the Range here in Columbus every year, yeah. and yeah. you know the, the security on that's gotten fucking ridiculous now you know it used to be a lot funner than it is um i'm fortunate you know where um like this year you know hate breed was there so i was backstage with jamie jossa the whole time last year five finger was there oh that's cool i'm friends with with zoltan so oh awesome yeah so i was able to so i i'm one of the fortunate ones i get to you know be backstage and hang out with with these fucking badass dudes but i can look out in the crowd and shit and i see them i'm like man like they got you know 500 fucking security guards and every time these kids are lighting a joint there's people out there chasing them and shit it's like right it's like they're just here to have a good time you know ain't nobody hurting nobody and you know just let them let them be man how yeah dangerous, how dangerous is the kid smoking weed really <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? he's gonna be probably the safest person there because he's not trying to blow his high on any kind of drama man come on yeah, that, that's part of the show experience <laughs> exactly so, why, 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 why buy it have... you can get all the secondhand smoke i'm like i never, I never have to buy as long as i go to a concert i'm good <laughs> you, know, you know in vegas that's something they don't care about i go to shows at the joint at the hard rock all the time i mean the second you walk in there they'll, they'll you, you're getting a contact high whether you like it or not well, Mike, so they call the joint i mean come on <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah no <laughs> the truth is an advertising, Mike. Come on. <laughs> Are there... well, fortunately, the Rock on the Range is an outdoor show, so yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> not too many people get caught, but you know, some people are real obvious about it, and they just don't give a shit. Right. And then uh, the security guards. Well, you, know, you don't want to get a, you don't want to get a contact high and then fail a test, you know, fail a drug test for your fight. You know? It's true that. Yeah. Try to use that as an explanation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that, that a real thing? Like, can you actually get a uh, fail a test from like secondhand smoke? I don't know. I, don't, I doubt it. It would have to be like you're in the car with Snoop Dogg or something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or you're rolling with the, the Diaz brothers or something like that. Yeah. Man, for, for a whole training camp. <laughs> then we can see. We can test that theory now. Yeah, I don't know. I hope not. It's like like if you eat the fucking poppy seeds and you can test positive for heroin, you know? Yeah, That's for crazy. opium, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For opium, yeah. Right. So what's what's in your playlist these days? What what metal bands are have you excited right now? Uh, man, I've been listening to a lot of Meshuga lately, actually. Oh, yeah, cool. Death metal stuff. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Mastodon. I just recently kind of discovered them. I was like, holy fuck, there's a whole world of mastodon yeah. is fucking amazing yeah <laughs> um i feel like i never even listened to music before like they're fucking ridiculous you know and um uh, let's see a lot uh as lay dying um at the gates um some darker like satiricon cataclysm um I'm, I'm pretty experimental with my shit you know what i mean so um I'm trying to think, actually, I could just break it out real quick, you know, break out the iPod right here and see what the fuck is on there, you know. <laughs> yeah, because I'm. So I, I, got, I, so I, I got to do uh, uh, Amazon uh, Prime, Prime app. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's the fucking shit. So look, yeah, yeah man. R.E. As I Lay Dying, Avenged Sevenfold, Behemoth. Yeah. Um, 
I think they just uh, one of the albums I got from Behemoth is fairly new and it's fucking bad as hell. Children of Bodom, Corrosion of Conformity, Crowbar. Um, oh, yeah, I just discovered, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Jamie Josta did with uh, Kirk Winstein, uh, Kingdom of Oh, Kingdom uh, of Sorrow, yeah. Kingdom of Sorrow, yeah, that's yeah. fucking amazing, man. Yeah, that's never, really good. Dude, I never even heard that before. Uh, got the, the song he did for you, The Immortal, that's a yeah. great track, too. That's yeah, a great track, right? Yeah, man, it's awesome. Let's see, we got Inquisition, Kill Switch Engage. Yeah, you gotta have some Kill Switch. Uh, I got every Lamb of God album. Yeah, man. Uh, like, like right at the fucking top, they gotta be. Up. <laughs> um, yeah, man. And then you know, I always check out some other shit too, man. Uh, um, uh, Psycho Realm, just you know, some hip hop, like some Jedi mind tricks type shit. Um, let's see, we got Trivium, Unearth, yeah, so, all that kind of shit there. I could go on all day. If you want. <laughs> no, that's okay. We don't want to yeah. keep you up all night. But that's cool, man. Yeah, that's a good playlist right there. Now, final thing before we let you go. I know you're busy here. You have an, you have a fitness equipment company too, right? You're making different training tools for MMA. How long have you been doing that? Yeah, so I've been working on it for about two years now. Um, yeah, you know, I, I grew up uh, in a machine shop. So I grew up around steel, man, and this is uh, something pretty natural in me. My, my family, uh, there's a family, a fa- my cousin owns a welding shop. Um, so we've been working, you know, with these engineers and shit the past couple of years. We're going to start doing these wheelbarrows, um, these weighted sledgehammers. So we're doing, we redesigned uh, the sledgehammer completely. Um, and they're all different weights now. So you can start at a 10 pound, get 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, all the way up to 50 pounds, which is a fucking ridiculous. Wow. Sledge. You're doing, uh, you're yeah. doing tire strikes with Somewhere. that. Is that, yeah. was that made for Brock Lesnar? Or, you know, trust me, man, <laughs> I, I use a 30 and that's, a, that's, that's, yeah, that's I use a, a 30 beast. too. Okay. That's no joke. And I had a guy at a welding shop make that for me and I hate him for it, you know, till it's done. So 50, fuck. Well, if you don't have a welding shot to make it for you, you have to call me and I'll hook you up, bro. Hey, man. Might have to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, so we got the, the sledgehammers and the wheelbarrows. That's going to be the main thing that we're going to start off with. The wheelbarrows is probably the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- there's nobody else that I know of making them. So uh, that's an amazing, amazing exercise, I think, for even for regular people, man. Right. Um, yeah. Regular yeah. people, you know, the um, the balance, man, just trying to keep it from tipping over and, and bracing up for that. Yeah, you got. You know, you we got use that. one at my gym, but you know it's just ghetto. You got a regular wheelbarrow. We got a bunch of rocks thrown in it, and you know have them sprinting with it. And don't talk. You know, make sure you don't. Yeah, you got over. the Home Depot special. There, Damn huh? straight. <laughs> <laughs> so see, you're gonna have to buy a wheelbarrow from us too, man. So there you go. You we we got. Uh, so this one it goes all the way up to. We've had over a thousand pounds on it before. Wow. Now, I'm not doing a thousand pounds. The guys at Westside are doing a thousand pounds. So, so we know it can hold a really high capacity. So we, you can max out, you know, your, your wheelbarrow. You can, uh, like you said, do sprints with it. And that, that's the, the most brutal, most vicious fucking full body for all the way from your, your lungs and your core, like deep inside your diaphragm, all the way out to your fingertips and your toes. Every fucking thing hurts, uh, in a good way. Um, we're building attachments for the wheelbarrow for the handles. So they're you know you can do different things like cleans and uh, reverse deadlifts and all kinds of things like that, man. We're gonna we're just I'm gonna try to do everything I can to basically my my end goal is you know I want to be the um, the sole supplier for MMA or combat sports 
related fitness equipment. There's nobody really doing it specifically uh, for combat sports. You know what I mean? It's all for boxing or um, CrossFit, things like that. And I want right. to do it for combat sports, man. No, it's smart. I mean, you're using you're in the limelight right now, so it's a smart time to, to, to build a business that can sustain you for the rest of your life if you want. That, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, you know, that, that's kind of the end goal, and that's why it's taken so long. Is I, you know, I mean, my my, my time has, has been secondary time that I've been focusing on it, and and yeah, just wanted it to be something I can do after. I've always had a passion for fitness. I've always had a passion for building things out of metal, and I've always had a passion for engineering. I actually had a scholarship to go to college for engineering, and and I passed up on it. But you know, it's something that's in my blood, so. Uh, you know, fighting's in my blood too. So hopefully, you know, I, I can be, you know, doing what I love uh, when I'm when I'm done doing what I love. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. One passion to the next. Is there a website where people can find out more about what you're doing? I just pushed mute. I didn't hear what you said. Oh, sorry. Is there is there a website where you can find out more about the fitness equipment? Do you have anything where people, where people can go buy some of this stuff? Um. I don't even think we don't have a website up yet because we haven't actually launched it yet. Oh, but okay. it's, it's going to be for sale actually on uh, westsidebarbell.com. They're going to be okay. Selling. Cool. Okay. Yeah, so we won't be, have any problem uh, uh, finding everything. You know, soon enough we'll have a uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of good horse shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we, we won't even get to. We won't even start talking about social media pitfalls. <laughs> That's another discussion too. Now, the final thing. This is the last thing. I promise. I'm curious what your predictions are for some of the fights that are happening on the same card you're going to be on in Vegas on July 11th. We have Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald, and then Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo. Aldo. What do you? How do you think those are going to play out? Uh, all right, we'll start with Robbie and Rory. Um, you know, I I'd normally. I say, man, fights could go either way. Uh, I'm not big on picking fights. I don't really like picking fights, but yeah. um, there's no reason to believe that Robbie can't do what he did the first time. He, they fought once, and we've seen what happened, so I don't see any reason that it wouldn't happen again. Um, now with the uh, Connor Jose, um, that's what I'm, I, I kind of see going either way. But you know, the 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 hard part, I, I don't I don't think anybody has a realistic pick for for that that fight because. We have no idea really where Connor's at. We know that Jose right. can beat any motherfucker. He's he's already proven himself against the the best of the best of the best. He's he should be, in my opinion, one or two pound for pound and uh, easily. Yeah. Um, especially now that John Jones is gone, um, Connor hasn't never fought anybody even close to Jose's level. Mm. So. That tells us nothing, right. you know, as to what he can do at that level. So, um, I'm going to pick Jose just for the fuck of it. Yeah, I think also because Connor has talked so much. Oh man, do you do you, do you, do you think do you think that if he loses, especially if he loses defiantly, like knocked out in the first round, that he'll be able to come back from that? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's really going to affect him that that much you know i mean he it's hard to say to be honest i mean that's one of those things you know i can't look inside his brain and see you know what what the truth is of him that's why i was uh, like i said earlier man you know you do this shit long enough the truth is going to come out and i i I don't think we know the truth about connor you know you know (laughs) you know maybe he is all that maybe he's 
you know, he, he can get knocked down four or five times and come back. Maybe he's another Frankie Edgar, you know what I mean? Or he could be another Michael Bisping, you know, against Dan Henderson. You know, that all that trash talking exactly. built up there, and then, yeah. bam, <laughs> just shut him exactly. the fuck up. And after that, his, his career pretty much just went down from there. Just couldn't yeah, that, really bounce back from that, man. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I was going, is that if he, if he because he's talked so much and built himself so much, that if he, not so much that he can't come back mentally, but whether people would, would even want to see him come back where he would be such a, where he would be the same kind of draw. That's what I'm curious. It's, it's so hard real to say, man, yes, it really is. Really Cause is. you know, he's, he's talked a, a pretty decent game, but more than anything, the UFC has hyped oh him up gosh, yes, even, even more than him talking himself up. Yeah. You're so, right. so I don't doubt they could, I mean, I don't doubt they could do that exact same thing again, <laughs> even if he lost, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I mean, they've they, they got in this guy, man. Exactly. You know, I mean, they got people believing all kinds of crazy shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if, he, if he wins, man, forget oh, about Jesus, it. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and th- that's why it's not a it's not a bad proposition for them. Look, if he loses, all right, whatever. We we just sold a big ass fight. Yeah. He wins. Now we got twenty. Or, you know, the next big ass fight. However, right. you know, what I mean, now the next fight's even bigger because that means there's gonna be a lot of people wanting to shut him up after that. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just so, to prove, just to prove that he is all hype. So yeah, man. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, we won't take up any more of your time. Oh, sorry, sincere. Did you have a question? Oh yeah. All right, Matt. Your prediction for your fight? Knockout, first round. What we got? Um, fuck, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I hate predicting my own fights. That's something I, I try to stay away from, actually, because, uh, you know, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. I, I know I'm a, I, the only thing I can predict and I can guarantee is I'm going to be, you're going to see the best Matt Brown you've seen in a long time, because I'm feeling better than I have in a long time. I'm healthier than I've been in a long time, and everything's going smoother than it has in a long time. Fuck it, I'll take that. Well, that's great, man. Hey, we wish you all the best on July again, folks. July 11th, UFC 189. Definitely check that out. I'll certainly be watching. Yes, sir. And is there? You have a website, Matt, for any of for your personal information, or can people follow you on Twitter, or Facebook fan page? Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, you do the Twitter thing. That's at I am the Immortal. Um, you know, Facebook is whatever Matt Brown, the Immortal, or some shit like that. <laughs> and you know, Instagram, I'm sure is the same as my Twitter. Um, and of course, you know, uh, you got to plug my own podcast too, the great MMA debate, which oh, great. Okay. I hope everybody okay. listens to. And as long as, you know, hope, listen to your podcast also. So absolutely, you know, let's put the two together, you know what I mean? And, and you guys will get the best of, of all worlds. Yeah. Sounds great. Now people can get that on iTunes, Stitcher. Is there a, is there a website for that? God damn it. I don't know. <laughs> I'll find we'll, it for you, man. We'll, I'll put it in the we'll show. Find, notes, we'll man. find it. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like the most non tech savvy motherfucker. <laughs> Y'all called me on Skype and I was like, I don't even know where's my headphones and shit. And I realized there's a mic on my computer, you know. So. <laughs> you got, you have things to do. So we do exactly. Well, hey, man. Thanks cool. again. We appreciate it. We know it's late out there, so we won't hold you up. Thanks again. Yeah, appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Right, take well, care. Thank you, man. Take care. Okay. All right. Again, that was Matt Brown. That was a fun episode. We're yeah, both man. both big UFC fans, big Matt Brown fans too. So yes, it was sir. it was I was pretty excited about this one once he agreed to it. And I was really I was like, man, you know, we've had some big guests flake on us before, but I really hope he does it. <laughs> you know, exactly. because he didn't disappoint, man, at all. So.
Uh, that is going to be a fun one. So anyway, we, uh, we'll do a little research and find out all of his information, get that to you. And then hopefully that's the fitness equipment stuff, which I'm, which I'm looking forward yeah, to seeing. I'm excited about that, man, because yeah. I've already had experience with some of that stuff. And I was like, oh, man, you're making weighted wheelbarrows now? Really? <laughs> you know, so a lot of that stuff is really fun. You got some folks, man, you know, they, they like that little bit of adding something different to their training. But it's also a good way to see. To me, like I said, growing up, when you did all that stuff, it was called just it was just called work. It wasn't called a workout. <laughs> it's shit you had to do because your dad said do it or he'll beat your ass. Okay, and that's what you had to do, man. So, But everybody wants to romanticize now. Like, oh, man, we're doing this. You know, this is unconventional training, and it's this, that, and the other. I'm like, man, back in the day, it was called chores. But, you know, call it what you want, you know. you know. So to see that, people like – there's a certain – scope of people that like that type of training and it's yeah. also you got strong men you know guys that train strong men that like that as well because it's beneficial for them so i, I think man especially that he's aligned himself with louis and doing it through Westside barbell and that with that audience too i think yeah. matt's in a good position man to do very well with that man perfect alignment a lot yeah. of people a lot of people want to vicariously experience the mma right. workout if you will so they're going you know i don't want to go do any grappling i don't want to get someone i don't want someone to I punch you hit in the face but you know but, okay. but all the strength and conditioning side of it looks fun i can get into that so there's there's that element of it as well yep definitely man so yeah also i mean a lot of really strong people have a foundation in foundry work building decks you know mark Phillippe said Mm -hmm. that he built a strong foundation just doing a lot of manual labor when he was a young man don't shit on manual labor you you will be hard-pressed to find a real construction worker that's got a big gut Okay, <laughs> or anything like that. I mean, anyone, or, or even a handyman, or someone like. Or that. Or if they have a gut, they have they have a layer of muscle under it. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, you can you can see the at least see the two pack. Okay. <laughs> well, a lot, a lot of times, what you see are those really thick veins in the forearms. Yeah, you, you man. don't you don't get that from. And, and then you shake their hands. It feels like out. John Brookfield. It feels like they're gonna crush you to death, man. Like, okay, man, <laughs> release the, release my hand a little bit there, bro. Yeah, that makes me think of you know we're gonna get Ed Cohen on the show because I've been watching a lot of yeah. his training clips and he's good friends with Mark Phillips. He's got a lot of awesome stuff. Pretty excited about it. So we'll look at getting him on and, and discuss some of those things more. Yeah. But in the meantime, folks, here's what you need to do. You need to use that coupon code LLA and go support the show so we can keep getting great guests like Matt Brown. Go to MikeMahler.com. Get 10% off anything you see there. And they can go to your website. Where can they go? Same thing. NewWarriorTraining.com. Use that same coupon code. 10% off. Anything that you can buy, you can get it. There you go. And then head over to Patreon.com. S-P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Eventually, I'm going to have to stop spelling this. Hopefully, you'll catch on <laughs> yeah. by then. But, you know, but Patreon.com slash LLA Podcast. Become a monthly supporter of the show. Go to that box. Where you see that $1 right there? Erase that crap. Start with five. Add even more. Now, if you see the one in the box, you will put a zero behind it or another zero or another zero. We have no problem with that. But the dollar, forget about it. We don't, don't, don't do that. Okay. So yeah, head over to patreon.com and do that there. And then your other final step is to head over to iTunes, to tune up, to Stitcher or anywhere that you listen to this podcast. Rate us, review us, share the episode. All three of those things help keep the show going and growing. And we appreciate all those who are doing those things. Everyone else that hasn't done it, do it. Yeah, I mean, well, there is an option for people who who haven't supported the show and don't want to, and you can go f yourself. You know, that's an option. <laughs> that's always oh, an option. <laughs> no, but you know what's funny is that quite a, I've been getting quite a few emails where people are are basically saying, you know what, I don't want to be that guy you guys are talking about. So I'm buying products. I'm going to go over to Sincere's website, get a Sharia door. I'm going to buy some stuff from you. I'm going to sign up on Patreon because I think I think sometimes people just you know, we're all busy in life, right? So sometimes right. you just don't think about it. You're like, you know, those guys are doing fine. They don't need me to support. 
And yeah, we are doing fine, but that's a separate point. You know, <laughs> this, this, we want to keep doing this show because it's fun to do. And it's just your way of saying, hey, you know what? I love what you guys are doing. I appreciate doing. it. Here's me saying I thank you. Because all the shows I listen to, believe me, I support them in one way or another. Yeah. It's just bottom line. And if, and if you're someone who's like, look, I don't have any money right now. I don't even have a buck, which I don't believe for a second. But let's just say theoretically, you know, maybe you're listening in Kenya right now. You could still go on iTunes and leave us a review, which helps the show. You can yeah. go on Stitcher, leave us a review. You can share the episode on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. You know, these are all things that help get the show out there. Yep. So there you go, folks. All right. So we're going to see you guys on the next episode, keeping those great guests coming. And uh, we'll talk to you then, folks. Take care. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye.